Hi guys, welcome to Art Talk with April, season three. I'm April Harris of Inked April, located in Birmingham, Alabama. We have some wonderfully inspiring artists on this season. Let's get started. Hi everyone, today on Art Talk with April, we have Don Stewart, who is a visual humorist. Is that right? That's correct. <laughs> says so right on my business card. Yeah. In fact, I'm the chief visual humorist at the DS Art Studio. <laughs> um, well, and a ballpoint pen artist, which I am surprised to find out, by the way, which I think I might have known, but I might have forgotten. Well, I'm here to remind you. Yes, How... ballpoint pen. Yeah. Okay, how did you get started being an artist? Long Short answer, I've been an artist all my life and didn't know it. Long answer, I went to Birmingham Southern College as a pre-medical student and because I thought my whole life I was going to be a doctor. I started saying that when I was six years old. So I went to Birmingham Southern because they teach you how to be a doctor. It's, at least they teach you how to get into doctor school. So yeah. that, that was all for me. But it's a liberal arts college. So you had to take history and you had to take language and you had to take business and you had to take something in the arts. Uh, well, I don't have any musical talent, really, and don't have any musical background. So that meant visual arts. Um, I wasn't I did a little bit. I got my theater part out of the way by um taking a speech class at the theater department. Mm. But as a pre-med, you're supposed to take art history. Every pre-med takes art history because you have to memorize vast quantities of arbitrary information and regurgitate it accurately for the exam. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's what I did in the science department. You memorize vast quantities of information and regurgitate it for the exam. I was tired of that and I wanted to learn to draw. I thought I had a little drawing ability. I thought I had a little design sense. And so I took drawing 101 for majors, or I tried to. And then I tried to the next semester. And then I tried to the next semester, but my pre-med advisor would not authorize me to take a drawing course. He said, you'll never get into medical school with that crap on your transcript. What? You might as well take <laughs> underwater basket weaving because everyone else is going to be taking tough courses and they'll look at your transcript and say, oh, he threw his life away on drawing. Well, I kept trying to tell him that I wanted to be a surgeon and I needed eye-hand coordination skills. Any of the visualization skills I could get in drawing would be helpful. And that didn't fly <laughs> until finally he said, I mean, three semesters, I went into his office and tried to, to get it on my transcript. And he goes, no, we'll take genetics instead this semester. <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. Uh, finally, he said, your parents aren't paying good money for you to, and I said, hold it right there. My father told me I could pay for college the same way he did, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, this is on my dime. And he was so disgusted, my poor advisor and he said he scratched his his autograph at the bottom of the the paper and authorized it and said it's your funeral uh, so i got to go take drawing 101 instead of art history and the to cut to the end of of that story i was the first person in my class to get accepted to medical school 
Wow. And I got called into the art department chair's office, which was intimidating as it could be because he was old school World War II trained tank commander. No kidding. Wow. And he called me into his office and cussed me to the floor saying, you think you are a so-and-so and so-and-so pre-med student and you are an illustrator. You need art classes. I thought, okay, I don't have time for art classes. He said, well, you should take more. I said, I can't. This is the only studio class that's available to non-majors. At which point he exploded and told me he could, I could take whatever course he authorized me to take. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> and I was able to get basic drawing for majors and basic design. And that was it because I was a pre-med and my schedule was pretty well full. Um, but in my senior year in the design class, the final exam was to do a big picture made out of little pictures. Ooh. And I don't know if you're familiar with Archimboldo. He's a painter from the 1500s who did farmers made of vegetables and hunters oh, yeah. made of animals and all that kind of stuff. And that was the example. Do something like Archimboldo. And so I did. I did. Um, we had this big, huge um, brandy snifter, which is an odd shape, but it just turned out to be the same shape as Pablo Picasso's head. So <laughs> I did a picture of Pablo Picasso made out of stuff laying around the studio and life changed. I mean, I've heard alcoholics say the first time they took a drink, something audibly clicked in their head. Yeah. And were dependent on it. That's almost the experience I had with this assignment. I got to use both sides of my brain. You had to figure things out. You had to think of individual shapes and how they work together. And then you had to execute it. You had to be a good enough drawer to put it all together. And it was tough. It was one of the hardest art things I'd ever done. Yeah. So fast forward five years later, I'm one o'clock in the morning uh, in a hospital ward as a surgery intern. And one of the nurses said, Dr. Stewart, when's the last time you were happy? <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> An informative question, isn't it? I've been on the service <laughs> six months. Uh, <laughs> and the sad part is I knew instantly. The last time I was happy was when I was in the art department at Birmingham Southern College. I hated wow. every minute of medical training. I really oh, did. no. It was awful. <laughs> I did not need to be a doctor. I did need to have the medical training, I think, because... Again, it taught me how to take vast quantities of information and distill them down into a usable fashion. That's what you do when you meet a patient. Yeah. You get all their information, you take all the training, you figure out what's going on, you form a plan and you, you execute it. So once again, the academic side and then the, the artistic side. And so as a um, result of that, while I was being an intern, instead of studying surgery, I'd go home and draw. <laughs> And I wound up drawing the hospital where I was working, which was kind of my first big um, wow. opus. And that let me know that this makes me happy. This doesn't make me happy. Mm. And I, the decision was kind of already made. But by the end of the year, I was supposed to renew my contract with the clinic. And I had gotten my medical license. I finished my internship year and passed my general boards. And they handed me the license and I just said, you know, I don't have to do anything else and you can't make me. <laughs> and I walked out of the hospital at the end of the year and never went back. Um, been drawing wow. pictures ever since. And that's 37 years ago. So that is, that is just crazy. <laughs> Which is to say, why ballpoint pen? Yeah. Because in college, I didn't have time to learn oil painting or watercolor <laughs> or Conti crayon or... 
um, you know, smudging of graphite. I was in class four, five, six hours every single day taking notes with a ballpoint pen. Yeah. That's what already fit my fingers. That's how I knew how to use it. Um, and besides, nobody else was doing it because it takes forever to draw anything with a ballpoint pen. And who's going to be <laughs> dumb enough to do that? So I found that if I could, oh, I also didn't know really how to draw different things. I could draw the assignments in class, but yeah. how do you draw a hundred different things to put in one picture? Mm. Well, you just learn to sketch them out and then draw them individually. And if they look kind of bad, they're covered up by all the other stuff around them and nobody knows. <laughs> so <laughs> one one picture with a hundred images and it was practice to do a hundred pictures. And so I got better during the process. Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't think I was going to be an artist. I thought I would draw until a real career opportunity came along and it never did. Um, reason being, if you go to medical school, you're qualified to be a doctor. No one will hire you for anything else. Yeah. And until you're board certified at something, no one will hire you to be a doctor. So I still had five years ahead of me. Um, so I was basically unemployable and still am. So <laughs> I found a way to, to draw my pictures and get them out in the marketplace. And thanks to Birmingham Southern for that, too. They made me go to business school. and I learned about contracts and basic business. And that probably has been as important as any other part of my education yeah. because artists are hit up all the time by people that say, draw this for me. I'll give you 20 bucks. Yeah. And then they never do, <laughs> or they take your artwork and make a whole lot of money out of it. You don't understand the contractual obligations that would, that would give you more benefit for your work. And I never had a problem with that. So um, I have no trouble defining what a project is, planning it ahead of time, uh, getting paid in thirds and making it worth my while. Um, I do very little of that, though. Most of it, I come up with ideas and I stick them down on paper and hopefully it'll make someone giggle and they'll give me 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my business plan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like um, before we started the interview, everyone who's listening, we had a, a fascinating conversation about how I knew who Don was and how I came about his work and I mean I Don I had to have been in high school or um early 20s or something I'm 43 now and so I I've been like, in it for a while yeah I feel like I've been um familiar with your work for a long time and it just fascinated me because like you I I love drawing with a pen you know, it just, um, it was something that I always did when I was younger because that's what I had available similarly. And it's, you know, simple to the point, you know, literally, literally <laughs> not messy. Doesn't take a whole lot of money or anything. Exactly. <laughs> and for artists, that's really important because yeah. we can, we can, um, fritter away three or four lifetimes of income just on supplies if we're not careful <laughs> yes oh my goodness I so, know I don't know all point cheap <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I and let me ask you this though do you are you using a specific kind I have that you like I, I have uh years ago I mean decades ago I settled on paper mate fine point Sometimes I still use the medium points if I want a heavier line, but PaperMate 
I use because it doesn't leave blobs. Oh, and yeah. the other ones, even though there are a lot of, of folks who are in love with this brand or that brand, I've just found that this one, uh, my hand knows how to use it. Uh, I can take it from a deep black, feather it all the way to gray to white. And I just can't, I'm, I make sure I have two or three boxes of these on hand all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, for me, it's paper made. And I, I imagine a lot of like normal people, they they don't even realize that there are very much difference, a difference between different ballpoint pens. But there are some where you get big goops of yep. blobs and some that smear, some that maybe aren't quite dark, you know, like they don't really get very dark and, right. or they're more, or they're, it's harder to get that feathered out like gradient kind of thing with particular mm -hmm. brands. That's fascinating. Well, that's another thing I can do with Papermate. Um, ballpoint pen is not like India ink. India ink is carbon and glue. That's what it is. You get a hundred percent black wherever you put it. Ballpoint is a little bit of carbon suspended in plastic goo. Yeah. And if you don't mash very hard, you just put down a little layer of carbon. You can go over that layer a dozen times or more and make it darker, 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 kind of like graphite. You can cross hatch. You can do thin hatchings right next to each other and get a nice even graze. It takes a while to cover the paper, but you can do it. And then you can go back over that and put in texture and deeper tones and darker lines over it. Um, I know this because I found ways to make every possible mistake uh, that's <laughs> with a ballpoint pen and then cover it up. <laughs> and then if you, if you really go outside the lines or you put too much ink or ink in the wrong place, you can get a very sharp X-Acto knife and lift it off the page. So... There's a lot of ways you can scrub. There's ways you can get old typewriter um, erasers, the gray ones with, with pumice in them and get nice scrub up textures or even take things off. Um, there's, there's just lots of ways that used to be, oh my God, how am I gonna fix this? And then it turned into a technique. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've, I'm, I'm not, I haven't fi finished figuring out what all you can do with a ballpoint pen and it's been nearly 40 <laughs> years and it's so, I figure when I get done with figuring out what a ballpoint pen can do, I'll do crazy stuff like color or something. <laughs> do you ever have people ask you to cut color your, your work? Like add all color? the time. And I'm encroaching on about 200 of these pieces that I've done over the years. And about six of them are improved with color. Yeah. Um, because you start putting pieces together and if they're different colors, now you start coloring them. If they're black and white, they work. But if you start coloring them, you get a mess. And most of my pictures become a mess when they get colored. Um, unless you just do the outlines and turn them into coloring book pages. And we've done that too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, um, ever since the, the COVID lockdown, we've been reaching out in as many avenues as we possibly can to, to sell our artwork to Sue Ellen and I both. And mm -hmm. our agent constantly says, okay, Don, can you give me this in color? And I say, no. <laughs> 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 um, oh, no. My hummingbird. I've got a couple of things ready. This one. Yes. This one colors up nicely. 
Oh yeah. And what I'll do because I'm lazy, I will simply take a print and I'll get colored pencils, high quality color pencils, Prismacolor, whatever, and I'll color right over the black and white print and they just explode and they're just wonderful. Wow. Uh, but there's only a few that, that do that and that lend themselves to color, I like to say. Um, yeah. so most of them, I'm a black and white artist and actually I talk about the different shades and textures in terms of color. It drives my wife crazy. It's like, honey, do you think this part needs a little more red? <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, it's black and white, you idiot. I, I, but it's a red thing, and I feel like, never mind. <laughs> I, I, oh, view, awesome. I view my pieces in color. I know, I know what they look like in real life, but I'm drawing them. Just like you see a, a black and white photograph of a fire truck, you know it's red. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a certain amount of ink you put on something like that, doing it as a black and white artist, where, nope looks too blue it needs more something to, yeah. to change it from your brain saying that's a black and white picture of a blue object to a black and white picture of a red object and i'm <laughs> sure there's a physicist out there that could talk wavelengths and and optical sensitivity and stuff and give that some yeah. but uh it's one of the things that i just sort of have i know that you put this much ink on it for it to be yellow this much to be green and and oh. other than that i i can't tell you uh, but I, I know when it looks right. And I describe that by, yeah, the leaves are green enough now. Wow. What? My wife hits me, you know, with something blunt. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because so, she's a painter. I mean, she is, she is just steeped in color. She's like you. She's a, um, sees color everywhere. She's facile with color. She has fantasy elements in what she does and yeah. and just is just dripping with color and i'm like god that's 10 times the work why would you do that <laughs> <laughs> oh that's, so cool. so that's that's ballpoint pen single color guy Hap, still happy to be a single yeah. black and white guy yeah i mean like um so i'm gonna tell you a little bit about my struggle <laughs> <laughs> so i love loved ballpoint pen and I wanted to make art with ballpoint pen and I I mean I I just loved it I can't remember if I particularly liked um it's been so long ago if it were paper mate or um I want to say maybe Bic oh yeah that's the go-to the ones that are like in the clear crystal yeah that's the big um because my dad was a mechanic and for whatever reason he used that pen and that's the pen we had around like everywhere so that was the pen yep. that I had always used and of course I fell in love with it but then I was told it wasn't light fast that's true like, it wasn't um archival or whatever right and so everyone around me was like you can't you can't do that you know and I get, I get, I feel like I gave in too easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was fortunate. I, I hung out with a bunch of old artists from the sixties yeah. and one guy goes, that's crazy. Here's something I did 20 years ago. And he showed it to me and it was a little faded. It was a little, you know, um, getting a little feathered around the edges, but he goes, it all depends on what kind of, of uh, material you use. You know, what, what do you draw on and, and how much ink you put on? He goes, besides, 
you're not going to be around here in 500 years to find out whether it's still here. <laughs> if you want things to last, cast in bronze. Yeah. <laughs> that was his advice. And this was before uh, scanning and digital anything. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you draw with now. You get it scanned and you can make prints 20 years ago, yeah. 20 years from now. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I've got some early pieces that were either done on some kind of paper that had some interesting chemistry or they were hung in the wrong room for too much with too much heat or too much sunshine and they've hold on a second i did not turn off my phone apparently well and it won't shut up there either okay (laughs) we're good um so I hung out with these old artists from the 60s and said, oh, but is ballpoint light fast and will it fade? And one of these guys pulled out a, a piece that he had done 20 years before. And so that's 20 years old. It's still here. And literally told me, if you want your art to last, cast things in bronze. They'll be here 10,000 years from now. So that, that was like, okay, I still don't want to learn another medium. I still am pretty good at this ballpoint thing. Nobody else is doing this ballpoint thing. So if I try to jury into a show, how many other ballpoint pen artists do they have? None. (laughs) I would get into shows as long as my work was good enough. So that's what I focused on was concept, execution. And if the pictures looked nice, then the jurors would let me in because they don't need another watercolor artist that does Sweet Magnolia Blossoms. Uh, So it, it was an easy way for me to to gain attention, develop interest, and and continue building a body of work that to this day still looks like the first ones that I did. You know, yeah. I just stumbled right into a, a a genre, sort of invented a genre that you, if you see one of my pieces, you've seen them all. But then each one is so different that hopefully will will capture your attention and tell you a story and make you smile. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, to me, that's so interesting because, you know, like I've talked to lots of different kinds of artists and it, it just, it's fascinating how, like we're two artists and just these small moments in time where we're talking with someone else or interacting with certain people or have a certain group around us that we go in different directions, Mm -hmm. you know, like I totally was like, well, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you still can. (laughs) I know. know. But now I've moved on. Ballpoint as a medium is not light fast. And I think, I mean, if it's not light fast, I mean, I feel like it's light fast enough. Well, I have, I've had, I've got a lot of pictures that I've, I've been drawing for over 30 years, and I have a lot of pictures that look just as good as they did when I drew them. Yeah, and I have I mean, others. There are two or three pieces I've worked on that are probably a quarter of it has faded away. And I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I haven't had that problem since I started working on acid-free matte board. Mm. And it doesn't matter what color the matte board is. You turn it over on the back and you draw on the back of it. And so that's what you're using to draw on? That's what I draw on. That also gives me uh, the ability to really dig in and put in multiple layers of ballpoint. So 
If I make a mistake, there's also room to go in and surgically remove mistakes. And you can't tell. Uh, Don't tell anybody I said that because, you know, artists are only good <laughs> if they draw it perfectly the first time. <laughs> but no, you can, you can do things like take a, an X-Acto knife or a, a rough eraser and go over a solid area of tone and give it a little bit of texture or give it a little spackling by just pulling up the paper a little bit. So it's just another way of using the same medium and getting a different effect. Yeah, man. But I, I have to say, just because somebody made you put away the ballpoint, you kind of done okay. You draw and paint pretty nice. So you, you, I don't think you lost much. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know. That was one of those things that I was just like, man, you know, that's just, I loved it so much. And probably why I was drawn to your work was because I saw, I saw that. I don't know. I must've forgotten. Um, but man, that's just awesome. I love it. That to me, but that's you, did, like, you did what artists do. You said, okay, but I'm still going to art. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and, and it didn't slow you down a bit. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. It didn't really. Um, it headed me off into the, um, I don't know, the, the mountains and woods of trying to figure out, okay, now where am I going to go? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying you've done pretty well. And, and those, <laughs> those of us artists who, who don't give up, I mean, art is a disease kind of like herpes. We have it for life. <laughs> but some of us blister out more often than others. <laughs> and you've done okay. You know, I look at your work and go, Oh yeah, there's uh huh yeah. That's that's the stuff I can't do. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate that. That's such an honor coming from you, honestly. Well, you know what I'm talking about. You've interviewed enough artists. There, there are for every one of us who is foolish enough to do this on a regular basis. There are thousands of other folks who are just as talented, or probably more so than we are. Um, Hobby Lobby and Michaels just in <laughs> relies on them to come and buy millions of dollars worth of art supplies yeah. and but what they they do is they'll they'll work for the weekend or they'll work for for a little while and then the little demon that says oh you're not really good enough so they put it away for a while and then a little while later they come back and they pick it up <laughs> and start else or they go off and they do something you know i'll do texture now or i'll do ceramics or i'll do glass or yeah. what have you there are few of us very few of us percentage wise i believe that actually say, no, this has captured my attention. I'm just going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and get better and better and better because it makes us feel better when we can try something new, accomplish it. It turns out as good as, or even maybe a little better than we thought it might. And that draws us to keep doing another one and another one. We're, we're very selfish people, we artists, and we, we need someone to tell us we're wonderful and nobody's going to do that. So our artwork does. Like, I'm going to put a line right there. And we're judgmental enough to where we say, oh, that's the wrong place. Well, we can't erase it and put it in another place. And then we go, oh, look what I did. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> as long as we keep getting that feedback from ourselves, we keep pushing forward and making more and more and more work. And hopefully we can make other people happy in the meantime, because not everybody can do this. A lot of people rely on us to make pictures to make them happy. And oh, yeah. There are worse things to do with a life, making pictures yeah. that make people happy. Yeah, really. 
it's like uh, making treasures that people this they they love, you know, and collect and keep and pass down, and you know, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So I want to get into the process of how you put together your drawings. Okay, I need two things. Okay, sometimes three. I need something to draw and something to build it out of. Mm. Now that gives me lots of opportunity because there's just all kinds of things out there in the world, but it also cuts off an awful lot of potential because I don't have dancers. I don't have things made of cloth. I don't have a whole lot of stuff that in our society falls over on the feminine side. Mm. Most of my stuff is mechanical or um, robotic looking kinds of things because if you can take it apart and put it back together, it is by definition made of parts. Yeah. And my knack, my niche or the knack that I have is to find things that have an outline that is immediately recognizable. And then I can put things in there to build that outline. That brings us to the third thing. What do I put in there? Usually I determine a theme ahead of time. Not always. Sometimes ideas come to me like, you need to make a saxophone out of fish. Literally had a dream where I woke up and it was a saxophone, a whole bunch of fish swimming around and they made the shape of the saxophone. And I went, oh, now there's a challenge. And my wife said, why would you make a saxophone out of fish? Beats the heck out of me. I'm going to see if I can do it. And it wasn't until later that the name Musical Scales came along. Wow. <laughs> Only plays in the key of C. So the, the whole dad joke thing finally made its its appearance. And that's usually where I start. I'm going to show you this one. This. Yeah. That's a buffalo wing. Yeah. <laughs> and that came from a certain knowledge of, of biology and anatomy. I was having lunch with some friends and they said, well, how do you do these pictures? How would you draw a buffalo wing? And boy, I knew instantly. <laughs> Instantly, because a buffalo on the back of a buffalo nickel, which is where almost all of us, that's the limit of our understanding of bison. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that looks like a pigeon's wing. So I went and drew a pigeon's wing, adjusted it a little bit. And the cool thing about this picture, I'll let you look at it for a second. Yeah. It's nothing but feathers. Yeah. And so feathers and shading, and it did the trick. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you are, you are asking about my process, and that is the short end of the process. This was a week-long process. I knew the idea. I knew, I thought I could get it done, and sure enough, went right back to the studio, got the reference of a buffalo on the back of a nickel and a pigeon's wing, and <laughs> a week later, we had the picture because it takes yeah. a while to sketch it, get bored with it, put it aside, go get lunch, <laughs> forget about it for two or three days, come back. Pull it out and go, yes, I've got to put ink on it now. And then outline it. Be utterly bored with it after you're finished with the outlining process, because at least I finished that part. Aren't we done yet? Then go get dinner again. Um, come back a couple of days later and say, all right, I'll have to teach myself how to feather out a feather with a ball pen. <laughs> and that will fills out the week, figuring out how to do that and then actually mashing enough ink onto the paper to make it look that way. So that was a week-long project. Then you have other ones, like my marine picture. Mm -hmm. 
that is the iconic flag wave raising flag raising at Iwo Jima, Mount Suribachi, that was made famous in World War II. Well, the United States Marine Corps really identifies with this image. Yeah. I knew nothing about the United States Marine Corps. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Wow. And I tried to tell the retired Marine colonel that I knew nothing about the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> he sent me about 20 books on the history of the United States Marine Corps and said, get started, young man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know, I, I told you we we're, because of my background, I'm able to do some research. And I yeah. did. I studied over a dozen books, cover to cover, about the history of the Marine Corps and kind of settled on this one which is called the leathernecks yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's just a plain red book that's the history of the marine corps from the beginning all the way through and wow. these are about half of the post-it notes that i gave myself wow. while i read this thing over the course of three or four months yeah and these were cues to this is a uniform these are color coded for general information uniforms, individuals, weapons, whatever. And so I was able to orient myself to an awful lot of information just by using post-it notes. Yeah. About, about a, a, probably a fourth or a third of these post-it notes came out of the book and got stuck onto my drawing board while I was drawing the picture. So yeah. whenever I go, used, used to go talk to kids in schools, I did that for a long time. I would say, would you like to see a picture half done? And they said, yes. And I would say, here it is. <laughs> So this was the first six months of the drawing. And yeah. the, the other six months was figuring out where all those images went and then placing them in the shape of the flag raising. Now, wow. even more than that, there are 380 images in here and they're placed in chronological order. To wow, oh my gosh. Um, and because the Marines do an awful lot to help folks, like allow people to draw pictures for a living in peace. <laughs> and I'm, I'm forever grateful for them for that. I got to work with a group called the Wounded Warrior Regiment in Quantico. And we actually turned this into a fundraiser. So every print that I sell, half of the money goes to the Marine Corps Wounded Warrior Regiment. Wow. And I think we've reached $30,000 raised for wounded Marines with this one picture. So if somebody says, well, what good are artists? Well, some of us can use our work and apply that work and put it to good use and can help people with it. Yeah. Um, this turned into several other pictures. I'll just show you one more. The, the Air Force wanted theirs. Oh, yeah. This is a, um, a Falcon made out of aircraft. And wow. this, goes to the, <laughs> this goes to a similar organization with the Air Force. We also have one for the Green Berets and Navy divers and Navy SEALs. Yeah. And so I think we just finished the 14th out of after 12 years. I've got 14 of these done. And tw uh, 2022, we topped $75,000 in donations wow. to the combined um, yeah. uh, donor groups that oh, help. How cool is that? that yeah, is they so help awesome. the wounded warriors and their families, and some of our scholarship programs for kids. Yeah. I did one for the the Navy Submarine Service, and said, "Do you all have a wounded warrior service?" And they said, "No, we don't get wounded warriors in submarine." 
I thought, oh, okay. So we give it to the, the scholarship fund to help uh, submarine families uh, go yeah. to college. So lots of ways oh, artwork so can cool. help. So that's uh, community services. It's also one of the things I learned at Birmingham Southern, which strangely enough, I have a Birmingham Southern picture. Oh, nice. um, the, the, the school mascot is the panther. Yeah. And Birmingham Southern is known for having ginkgo trees on the campus. Oh. It's just sort of an iconic thing on the hilltop is the ginkgos. So this is a panther made entirely out of ginkgo leaves. And it also is a fundraiser right now to help raise money for the campus. Yeah. So anyway, oh, anytime we can help out, I'm happy to do it. Um, but again, it's a come up with the idea, get it to stick to paper, and then see what you can do with it. I'm I'm perfectly happy with it just raising money for me. Uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, we're we're definitely a, a retail art business, but yeah. uh, if we can share the wealth with worthy causes, I'm happy to do that. We've we've supported cancer research, we've supported medical education. Um, just anytime there's a worthy cause, I'm more than happy to to pitch in and help. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you brought all of that up to set, you know, and then we could say, you know, that art matters. <laughs> art matters. <laughs> that's, no, I think, that's I think like this, a way that people can relate to, I suppose, you know, that. Well, the, the thing is, uh, art has a PR problem. Everybody thinks, <laughs> I used to go to, uh, to like Kiwanis Club meetings and Lions Club and all that kind of stuff and say, Hi, everyone. Imagine if your daughter came home from college and said, I'm going to marry an artist. <laughs> and you just, you just watch all the faces in the room just collapse like dominoes. <laughs> like, oh, it's a terrible thing. Well, March is, is Art Education Month. And this is March, so I'm, I'm kind of up on this right now. And I've been asked by several different organizations, you know, what good are the arts? Well, arts are what are used to solve problems. You can memorize all the math you want. You can memorize applied math to engineering. But what if you need a machine that hasn't been built before? What if you need a chemical that hasn't been created before? You have to be able to solve problems creatively and pull things out of a box that doesn't exist. You have to build the box, then reach in and pull the answer out. That thought process, that creative process is what art is all about. And it doesn't matter if it's performance or if it's music or if it's visual art or if it's film, you're faced with a set of problems that you as the artist have to define, and then you as the artist have to solve. And every single line you put on a paper is a decision of carving off a thousand possibilities that that piece of paper might otherwise have been used for. It's, it's a terribly brain-involved process. Yeah. this whole creative thing and a lot of folks don't trust it because they don't get it and they don't do it and one of the reasons they don't get it and they don't do it was that nobody forced them to go into an art class when they were in school oh yeah, yeah. and you know the other thing about art it's hard to say what the end product is going to be mm. if you're if you're building cars you know how many cars you know how much it's going to cost you know this you know that you can quantify mm. everything it's a commodity Creativity is not a commodity. Creativity is a tool. And mm -hmm. we use it as artists. And unfortunately, the only thing society sees 
is pictures in frames and they think that's art mm -hmm. or they see a dance and they go well that was interesting how does that apply to me well it does yeah. because the process there is if i had to hire people and and a requirement was that they show up on time and they work hard i'd hire theater people dancers <laughs> those folks show up early they work late into the night they party like crazy and they show up early the next day and they work and solve problems and memorize and uh, and overcome. They are just the most diligent people in the world. Talk to an employer and say, how come you're not hiring oh theater kids? They'll look at you like you're on drugs, except the business owners that have hired theater kids and they know. <laughs> So yes, find someone that's got art on their resume because they already think out of the box. They don't even know what a box is. <laughs> we, we, we go, why would you use a box when you can use a bag or a parcel or just make something out of paper? <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, there's a, a very, uh, mis, art is a very misunderstood quantity in, mm. and, and quality in our society. And I'm doing everything I can to kind of get the word out that no, some of us are definitely crazy, but we can solve tons and tons and tons of problems and we can can take care of all. We have insights on issues that would really help businesses affect their bottom line, save money, um, work more efficiently and come up with new things that would give them the edge in the marketplace. So yeah. I'm waiting for my phone to ring now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And it's it, all of that just it, for some reason I kept thinking about like I have I do have a corporate job, mm -hmm. but I am a graphic designer and um, I work with people who are thought leaders and that's part of what they're teaching other people in, you know, business land mm -hmm. is that um, just thinking differently and that and how create creativity can lead to innovation and making change huge changes in you know the business realm or the you know even globally as far as like things like you know global warming or you know um, I don't know equality all, all the all the big issues that you know can be solved by like just creative solutions, like thinking about it a little more and, and doing something about it. Of course, there's the thinking about it and then there's the doing. <laughs> business, business is all about how do, how to yeah. do. We take raw materials, we manufacture widgets, and then the salesperson takes over and yeah. they find ways to, to sell the product. It's not about what if. Mm. Very few businesses start off with what if. The ones that do, I think, do remarkably well because yeah. you know what if this thing came with wings <laughs> what if this thing fed a bunch of people what if this thing could be manufactured with a handle on it yeah. um, what what could we use if we manufactured it without a handle on it and then attached it to something else um, anytime you have a system of raw materials get an artist to get in there and play you know give them a hot glue gun and see what they can make out of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you might wind up with a completely new product line. Yeah. I mean, it can be as simple as like doing a little mind map, you know, like having 
making connections, just making as many connections as you possibly can between things, you know. Well, I'm old enough to remember when Pizza Hut got the brilliant idea to allow their employees to boil water. <laughs> Think about that. They made pizza. They had water and flour and salt, and they made pizza dough. Yeah. And they took their their pizza sauce and they put it on there. Then they put stuff on top of it. So they had pizza sauce and stuff. What if you boil water and make pasta and put the same pizza sauce on it and the same stuff? You now have 20 new products. And I remember when Pizza Hut did that. It was earth shaking. And it's like, wait a minute. It took you how long to figure this one out? I'm like I'm like 12 years old going, what in the world? You're just now figuring out that you could cook pasta and put pizza sauce on it. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> no, but that was that was the artist some people call the smart artist <laughs> wow Only they didn't spell that last part a-r-t um <laughs> but no it, i'm sure you've had lots of of episodes in your life where you went well what if you all just do thus and so and they look at you like you're crazy oh yeah yeah, yeah. so your your and my challenge is to figure out solutions and then find creative ways to sell them mm. to people who are actually making the decisions and paying the bills and distributing the widgets yeah yeah so, and the more we can do that the better off we'll all be yeah and i you know i i don't know why in the world we i don't know just don't give it as much purpose and meaning as we do you know we're or, not trying to we're, we're in a society that still has a school system that was designed 100 years ago to manufacture um, line workers in factories. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing you want out of a line worker, it, most businesses think, is someone that can come up with a great idea. When okay. in fact, most businesses need line workers that can go, it would go a whole lot easier if we did this instead of that. And yeah. they need the agency to be able to go to the management and then the management can institute that. Um, so no, every, every person should have arts training. And it just pains me to see that arts are the last thing funded and the first thing cut in any curriculum. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's our society year after year after year after year, cutting off our own nose and mm -hmm. saying, how come my glasses keep falling off? It's just crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so interesting. I just like, um, you know, as a graphic designer, when I first came out of college and started having jobs, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, do creative things and have all these ideas. And that's the part that I really enjoyed about it. And then I got a job and they were like, no, no, don't think. Do what I asked you to do. <laughs> yeah, take this paragraph that I've handed you and make it fit in the blue square. Right. right. This is how we like things done. Do it that way. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, but that's not the best way to do it. <laughs> I'm afraid you just got a real quick lesson in, in American business. Um, <sighs> and, and yeah, we wish there was an opportunity. And in some companies there is where you can every week or every once a month or whatever, you can come up and say, I had these ideas, boom, 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 and lay them out. Yeah. Unfortunately, in our system, the only real way to institute your own ideas is to start your own company. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, tons important. of ideas just get left on the cutting room floor because yeah. we don't do things that way. 
Yeah. What if you did? Again, we're back to the what artist. <laughs> what if? What if you did? <laughs> and I don't know. I'd said a long time ago, I said I'm I'm unemployable, and that's another reason why. <laughs> because it just pains me to say, you're having this problem. Here's an easy solution. Just do this, 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 and this. And they say, Well, you don't know what you're talking about because we've been selling widgets for a lot longer than you have. Yeah, yeah. I understand that, but didn't you want to say, never mind, you don't want to. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I had an idea. My bad. <laughs> that's the cool thing about being an artist that's running your own art studio is you say, well, wonder if I did thus and so. Could I make a fox face out of chickens? Yeah. Call it a fox in the hen house. <laughs> well, the only person keeping me from doing that is me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of like, how did you go about getting to the place where you have a studio and setting up your business and things like that? I feel like a lot of artists miss out on the business side of knowing what to even do with what they're making. Make stuff and put it out there until people start giving you money for it. I've said from day one, I have the bird hunting theory of marketing. Mm. You put enough lead in the air and eventually the birds fly into it. <laughs> That's, you, you use a lot of ammunition, but what the heck, what else are you going to be doing that day? Yeah. Uh, so I, I make products and make products and make products and make products. Uh, a lot of artists don't like that I'm calling my art products, but they are. I do the creative side, I then do the production side, and then I have to do the distribution side. And prior to COVID, that was doing art shows. Uh, oh, fortunately, yeah. I was able to do enough art shows for enough time. And, and by the way, art shows, I never went to an art show saying, I'm going to sell this many pictures and I'm going to make this much money. Mm. Never. I went to an art show and said, I hope I sell this many pictures so I can make rent. I've said that a lot, but I never counted on it. I would go to art shows and say, I want to give away 100 brochures. I want to give away 500 <laughs> business cards. Yeah. I want to give away, uh, you know, 1,000 flyers. Mm. Because I want people to see the work, not give them pressure to buy it, because that's what we're there to do is steal their money, right? Artists do not have a good reputation. <laughs> so I would sometimes tell people, nope, you think you want to buy it? I'm not going to take your money today. Here's my brochure. Give me a call. I'll mail it to you free of charge. Um, just, you know, reading my room, sometimes very often I would tell people that and no. very often I'd get an order, which would get them used to ordering pictures from me. Wow. But if I got 500 people who had seen my work, took a business card or better a brochure and took it home, that meant at some point in the future, they were going to see it, remember it, talk to somebody about it, maybe decide to buy something. Yeah. I had a guy, uh, two weeks ago, a guy said, I've got this brochure that I think I picked up in a mall in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> Couldn't have been 20 years ago. I go, oh yeah, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> What's it got on the front of it? A tennis shoe? 25 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, he had it for awesome. a long time and he bought all of his Christmas presents for next year. Wow. In two orders. I mean, he, he put in a huge order. We packed up, we sent it out. He was amazed that we actually delivered it. Wow. <laughs> because what do artists know about shipping? <laughs> and he liked it so much, he put in an even bigger order. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's the, the business side of it is what makes it work. You can draw the best picture in the world. You can paint the best portrait in the world. 
And if you hang it on your wall so that nobody sees it, you have the satisfaction of knowing you did it. But if you're trying to make a living, it's probably not the best marketing plan. So <laughs> I would find throughout my career, someone wants to talk to me about my art, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, find a place where I can hand out brochures, mail brochures, send people uh, now on social media. I link my pictures to my website over and over and over and over and over again with absolutely zero expectations that anyone is going to bite. Yeah. When you're fishing, you don't think that the fish named Bob is going to bite the worm on that line over there. You just yeah. put as many lines in the water as you can and hope something bites somewhere and you have dinner. So yeah. our, our business model is to put as many lines in as many bodies of water as we can around the globe with the intention of getting 1% of the world population to buy one picture. Yeah. Do the math. We'd, we'd do okay if 1% of six something billion people buy a $20 picture. We'd do fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and how do you get a studio? Because you've got more stuff than your living room can hold. <laughs> That's literally it. You stay at home. Don't acquire any expense that you, that just no expense, no trouble know anything that you don't have to have. But when you're too big to be at home, get a small studio somewhere. And that's yeah. what I did. I rented a little office and stacked all the pictures in the back. And eventually I needed industrial shelving for the pictures. And then we needed a bigger office for the pictures. Mm -hmm. And now we have a showroom in front and a workroom in the middle and a mail room in back. So Wow. Um, but again, it's it's not any more room than we need. In fact, our landlord comes in and looks and says, "You all need more room." <laughs> <laughs> but no, this, we have a good workspace. We have a good system, and as long as we're able to keep paying the bills, and so far we have, um, mm -hmm. that's what you do. And when you that gives you the freedom that when you come up with another idea, you can execute it. And if it doesn't work out, you have the freedom to put it aside for a while and work on another one. And then when something is finished, you can build up to whatever expense you need to get it printed or produced and then distributed. That, that is so fascinating. And thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, this has been a delight. About this. this has been a delight. Thank you for asking me. And I hope you're able to cut and paste something meaningful out of all of this. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got at least two videos. <laughs> Well, thank you for asking, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and thank you so much for sharing this with all of your audience, and keep doing what you do, yeah. and don't tell anybody where the mistakes are. Oh, man. <laughs> I have learned my lesson. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Talk with April. For more information on this episode, join the Facebook group, The Art Lounge. Please subscribe and share. See you next Tuesday. Hope you have a great week.